right, church? Let's give it up. Beautiful. You all look so gorgeous and handsome out there. No, well, you get what I mean. Hey, who's excited for this new series, The Winter Circle? Yeah. Ooh, someone tried to whistle and epic fail. You got next Sunday. Um, man, we made it through Ephesians. Goodness gracious, May 7th all the way to August 27th. We went through the entire book verse by verse, and um, that was cool. But new series, uh, The Winter Circle. Um, the Winter Circle is uh, this defined as, um, so it comes from horse racing. Um, jockeys uh, would race on their horses, and, you know, whoever won the race uh, would be brought to the winner's circle, um, and, and they would receive a, a wreath. So at the end of the video, you see flowers. That's the wreath that the winner received. And they would take pictures and receive the awards. Um, and a lot went into uh, uh, horse racing. You know, you got to feed those horses over the course of months. And uh, they have to go into training just like you would if you were going to run a marathon or try out a triathlon or something. Um, you, gotta, you even got to get the horse's uh, mindset ready for such a race. It's, it's an entire deal. But the winner's circle, I believe that at times life can be a race, sometimes a sprint. Uh, other times life can be a marathon. Some of you are in a sprint season to where you know within the next month or two you got to make, make it count. Um, some of you are in a marathon where you're in a process for the next two years or three years or five years. Um, personally, for me, uh, ministry is a marathon. It's not a sprint. Um, I'm 30 years old, and, uh, you know, I told the Lord, this is what I dedicate my life to. So I got to see it as a marathon. I can't see it in Sundays. You know, one Sunday, this place is packed house. I think three Sundays ago, we had to add two extra rows in the back because so many people came. You know, and you see it, uh, you see a few seats kind of open today. You can't see ministry in Sundays. You got to see it in, in seasons. So um, uh, it, it's, it's a marathon. But the whole goal is to win. The whole goal is to win. Uh, my family and I, we just went to Disney World, Orlando, uh, this past Thursday. And that's where we're from. Um, we, we had to go back home and, and check on my dad's health. Um, he's doing good, thank God. Um, there were some concerns, but we got a chance to, to get ourselves into Disney World. Uh, got a great hookup. Um, I'm not letting you know who my connect is, so don't ask me. Um, but we were able to get in and park hop and all that stuff. Uh, it's, it's crazy, man, because uh, if you were to go to all four parks for their four-day pass, a family of four would have to spend about $4,000. And uh, that's ridiculous. Um, but, hey, number one, it was hot. Hot and humid. Uh, I would say that we moved here to start a church, but uh, that's not the full reason why. Um, we moved here because Florida is, is off the chain. And so um, there's no, I always tell people, there's no character when it comes to weather in Florida. I get it. Retire down there. Cool. But you guys, Maryland, we are. I'm sorry, you guys. We live here too now. Um, 
This is a beautiful place. I think we get so used to things that we miss the blessing of a thing. And, and this is one of the most, if not the most resourceful part of the world, right next to the capital, and you have perfect seasons. Cherish it. It's amazing. But, man, it was super hot. Uh, I was queasy, uh, dizzy. Um, the first ride we got on with the boys was the teacup spin around thing. And, yeah, right, oh, like, I had never told my wife this before, but I hate that ride. <laughs> and her and the boys were stoked to get on it. And I'm like, all right, let's, let's park the stroller, let's go. And they are having all this fun, and I'm like, mm, mm. And she said, babe, look up, focus on a, on, a, on a focal point somewhere. And I looked up, and I'm like, mm, mm. And so I didn't tell her, but um, the next ride, before we got on, I'm, I'm like, man, I got to throw up, but I don't want to mess up our time, and I'm lightheaded, and it's hot, and we just got here, and I want to go home, but I don't want to mess up our time. And so uh, we get out of the teacup ride. Uh, it was hot, but it was also magical. We got out of the teacup ride, and, uh, you know, my wife and Jaziel, they see uh, Tigger run by, and then they see Winnie the Pooh, and she says, look, Judah, I was holding the baby, look, Judah, there's Winnie the Pooh, because we call him Pooh, and he loves Pooh, and like, you saw him with a big smile, and I, I won't lie to you, I'm on the inside, I'm like, yes, that's Pooh, yes, yes, that is Pooh, I love Pooh, and I'm like, you see, baby, yeah, yeah, but man, it was magical, and Pooh was just, I'm like, man, number one, you got to be burning up in that suit, but uh, so we got on Winnie the Pooh ride, and, and it was great, and it's magical. It's crazy to think because we went to uh, um, Magic Kingdom, which is one of the four parts. You got Magic Kingdom, Hollywood Studios, Epcot, and um, Animal Kingdom. And it, it, it's, it's hard to think that uh, 52,000 people per day visit Magic Kingdom alone. 52,000 per day. If you do the math, I don't think there's a day that Disney closes. I don't even think they're closed on Christmas um, that's 20 million people a year visit that particular park in one day. And they leave, uh, most people leave tired, most tired. Uh, if you don't, you're on something. And uh, happy, extremely happy. They're drained, they're tired, but they're happy because uh, amusement parks are tiresome. The lines are tiresome. Then you got to go when, you, when it's time to eat. You pay 25 bucks for a hamburger, and, and your order comes out to $109. You order yogurt and, and, and a hamburger and a frozen lemonade. It's like, why is this $110? I don't understand. And, and, and to think that all of it started with one man who had one goal, one mission. And it's their mission statement today, the Walt Disney Company. It's their mission statement today to make people happy. One man, one go. Walt Disney, a winner. You got to give it to him, a winner. Um, his first job at the age of uh, 20 years old, he was fired. He was told that, <laughs> check this out, 20 million people a year, 52,000 a day Magic Kingdom. At the age of 20, he was told that he, he lacked imagination and had no good ideas. And then he tried to open um, Laugh-O-Gram in Kansas City, and it went bankrupt, and it failed, and it left him homeless. And it was between that time of homelessness that he discovered the mouse. 
during that trial, that time where he didn't have anywhere to live, anywhere to be, he, he, he got the idea of Mickey Mouse. He, he named it something, but, but his wife then said, you should name it Mickey Mouse. And he got Mickey Mouse. And um, this is going to blow your mind because most of us can't even imagine this amount of money. But right now to date, uh, the Walt Disney Company, because now it's more than just the cartoons, the amusement parks and all that stuff. It's, they own ABC Channel, ESPN, Disney Channel. They're in so many different outlets and industries. The Walt Disney Company makes $150 million a day. $150 million a day. He was raised in a Christian home. And uh, he, he, his life was led by Christian principles. He said that um, I live my life based on what a good Christian life looks like. And so to serve others and, and to make others happy and, 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 to, and, to, and to take people to a place where they've never been before, that's, that's what I live by. Um, he was a winner. He was a winner. And so are you. You are victorious in Jesus. Jesus did not hang on that cross for you to lose. He did not die and go to the grave for three days for you to remain addicted and bound and for you to remain in struggle, for you to remain depressed and confused. Jesus didn't die for you to remain in that. You are a winner. You are a conqueror. And I want to let you know this too. You have all of the right material. You have the raw material. The Bible says that you've been created in the image of God. You are spirit. And when God created you, he gave you everything that you need to win in every area of your life. Despite your past, despite what happened last year, last week, last month, despite the downfall or, or the mistake or the sin of your past, I want to let you know today that you can win. You can hit the reset button today and begin to win. You're a winner. But the thing about winners is that they have goals. You got to have goals. This wake up, go to work, make some sales, go to sleep, do it again. It's not going to get it. It's going to pay the bills. But your vocational work is not your calling. You can find purpose in it. God can be glorified through it. But you have a greater calling than a paycheck. And so winners, people that change the world, people that shift society, people that change the storyline of their families, winners have goals. And that's what I want to talk about today. I want to talk about your aim. Are you aiming for the right things? The winner circle. We're going to start out with with goals. Let's read Philippians 3, 10 through 11 as our anchor verse for today. This is Paul. We're going we're gonna to keep journeying with Paul even after three and a half months. Verse 10 says this, I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection from the dead. You see those goals? 
Paul had goals. Paul, Paul wrote 13, he authored 13 out of the 27 books in your New Testament. He, uh, he traveled almost three continents and converted thousands of people to Jesus. Because of Paul, millions and billions of people over the past 2,000 years have died and entered into heaven because of Paul. We study Paul. We just read a verse that was authored by Paul. And, and no one would argue that those accomplishments are simply mind-blowing. Three continents by foot in boat. And we have cars and we won't ride across the street to the gas station and talk to the cashier about Jesus. And, and because his goal, like, so those were the accomplishments. But his accomplishments, watch this, were not his goals. He had intangible goals that produced the accomplishments. And so today I want to bring a message to you entitled Hashtag Goals. You notice I didn't use the number sign. We spelled it out. I want to bring a message to you entitled Hashtag Goals. Because I, I don't think it, it, it boils down to, hey, I want to be debt-free in two years. Or, you know, I want to live in that neighborhood in 10 years. Or I want to be here. I think uh, the, the focus needs to be the type of goals, the, t the type of goals. So I got a, a, a series of three groupings that I want us to uh, focus on today in the form of questions. Uh, number one, are our goals external or internal? Are your goals external or internal? If we're going to win, we got to get the types of goals right. So we see here in Philippians 3.10, Paul says this. He says, I want to know Philippians 3.10, Paul says, I want to know Christ. Goal. I want to know Jesus. I, no matter where you are in your faith journey, I don't know if you're a non-believer or agnostic, if you're a believer, if you're a new believer season, I don't know where you are. But the goal, the number one goal of life should be to know Jesus. The God bod. He was, he was God in a bod. He was God in, in the flesh. He came, he lived a perfect life, and he died for your sins. And so Paul says this, I want to know Christ. He, he didn't say, I want to heal thousands of people. He didn't say, I want to be popular. I want to be a televangelist. I want to build a big church. He said, my goal is to know Christ. Is it external or internal? The word know here is intimacy, okay? And so I'm, I'm, I got my teaching cap on today, so I need you to make some effort to stay awake. I'm not going to be yelling today. This is a very foundational teaching. I actually plan to be out of here in 20 minutes if I can. Very short because I want us to come back next, next week for some more. We're going to be teaching about focus, sacrifice, the winner's mentality, all that stuff. And so um, to know means in the Greek to feel um, deeper to understand a little bit deeper to become one with. Are our goals external or internal? If you're not taking notes, please do. If you're not a note taker, take notes. If you are a note taker, take extra notes. If you are, highlight, star, and circle. 
Because the power comes in the application, not in the listening. Jesus said that the word of God is like seed. And so he, he always spoke in parables because it made sense. And that time uh, there was a farming culture. And so he was talking to the people and he said the word of God is like seed. And he, and he described the different types of hearts. And he said one type of heart is where God can release a word, but the enemy is present. So he described four types of soil. One of those soils had to do with Satan. So in any church service, there is demonic activity active to steal the word of God. And so you think you're catching it because you're hearing it. You need to write it. This word, this is the word of God. Not even God could speak and we could hold it in our mental. He had to write it through man so that we could continue to go back to it and apply it to our lives. So today, please, if you want to win in every, this is as preachy as I'm going to get. If you want to win in every area of your life, take a note. Because these principles can be applied across the board. This isn't set a goal, fight for the goal, hit the goal. You get that out there in the world. This is focus on what's important, and it will, it will automatically come. So he said to know Christ. He wanted to be intimate with him to the point where um, if he knew him at a certain level, he would continue to produce the things that only God can produce. Intimacy. So you, you'll read in Genesis where it says that Adam knew Eve and begat Abel. I mean, he, he had intercourse with Eve and begat Abel. So Paul said, I want to know Christ so I can bring forth birth. I want to birth God things. I want to birth God-sized dreams. I want to birth God-sized vision, God-sized results. So my goal is not a big church. My goal is not to go to Antioch. My goal is not to go to Ephesus or Philippi. My goal is to know Christ. And what Christ is going to do is he's going to lead me to those places. So are they external or internal? And so I have a mentor's um, late 30s, 40s, 50s, and on up. And I, I go to different guys and, and gals about different things in my life. Um, I, I want to know, like, how, how, how was your, your first year in ministry? How, how did you deal with that? Um, I want to know, you know, Kyra and I are having this struggle in our marriage in this communication. How did you and, and Mrs. deal with that? Man, you guys are, are blessed. Um, your finances are in order. How, how did you, when you were in your 30s, your 20s, your 40s, get that much financial margin? So I go to my mentors and I ask them I, because I want to know. I, I want to know what they knew. I need their wisdom. And what I ultimately want to do is I want to incorporate and integrate their wisdom and their experiences into my life. I don't want their results. I don't want their house. I want their mindset. I, I, I want to know what, what possessed them to go after this goal in the way that they did. I want to know the gray stuff. Like, how did you make it through that? And that's what Paul is saying. Like, I want to know Christ because the, the, the greatest man that ever lived, I think, that is funny. I'm sorry. That is a distraction. Sorry about that. The greatest man that ever lived, I want to know his ways. And, and, and so um, what, I'm, what, I'm, what I'm asking for is uh, 
How were you patient through that season? Um, okay, so let me put it this way. A lot of us want to make great grades in school. It, it, and that's good. That's a great desire. But the goal shouldn't be an A. The goal should be the discipline to study. If I can, if I can sit down and turn off social media and study, a B plus or an A, not a problem. Um, God, God has given us certain appetites. And for those of us that are married, um, the, the, the goal isn't just, you know, intimacy, right? The goal should be, I, you know, I have a spouse. I need to water and tend to my own garden. So am I, in this little marriage thing, am I pursuing my husband or my wife how I did before we were married? Am I loving him, loving her? Am I serving them before, like we did before? It's, it's internal, and it leads to the, the external. And so um, I want to incorporate their wisdom because, check this, outward success is a result of inward process. Outward success is a result of inward process. Chances are, uh, if you're not winning in a certain area of your life, chances are there's something internal that God needs to work with you through. The other chances is that it's just not in God's timing yet. Um. It is, so is the goal a promotion or is it a servant's heart? God can promote someone who's willing and passionate about serving people. Is the goal promotion? Is the goal, um, is the goal more money or is it the ability to be more generous with your resource? Because chances are is this, a lot of us say, man, if I had more money, I'll do more for people. If you have $1,000 right now and you're not giving 100 away, chances are when you get a million, you're not going to get 100000 Because more money only makes you more of what you are. And so if you're greedy, you're greedy. So God is saying, I can bless you with margin, but can I also trust you with it? And it's an internal thing. And so God knows that if I can bring um, resource into your hands, like I said, we're going to teach on the offering and the tithe in December. But I, if I can bring resource to you, I've, Deuteronomy says this, I've given you the strength to gain wealth. So Malachi 3.10 says this, bring the tithe to the storehouse. The, the church is the New Testament storehouse. In the Old Testament, the storehouse was the temple. And so the people of God would work, they would harvest their fields, because only God can cause the ground to produce a harvest. They would harvest their fields, they would bring a tenth, the first tenth, to the temple. So that the worship and, 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 and the, the very epicenter of their society, the very 
culture of the reason why they existed, the temple where you worship God, where God spoke through the leadership so that that place would have, Malachi 3.10 says, enough food in my storehouse. So the tithe supported the Levitical priesthood, the priests, the leaders of the Old Testament church. Then it also supported the poor of that nation. And then it also uh, uh, gave budget for celebrations. So he said to the general society, bring your tenth to the storehouse. Your first tenth. Because 90% with God's blessing is better than 100% without God's blessing. And so God is saying this. He's saying, I can bring you more money. But I'm testing you where you are currently with the finances you have. And if I can't trust you to bring 10% of what you make now, I can't trust you with much more because I'm building a kingdom on this earth. And so it's an, etern- it's an internal thing. It's, it's not about more money. It's about are you budgeting? When, when you have $200 left, and you got more month than you have money. Do you have the discipline not to go out that Friday? Netflix and chill. It, it, it's internal. And, and as you practice the internal things, the outward comes out. It's, you know, a lot of my ladies, you know, you, you, you know I get it. I'm, I'm not a lady, but I understand. What I want to encourage you with is this. Stay planted in God's house. A woman should never look for a man. A woman should always be found. And the place where you need to be found is in God's house. Getting, 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 getting your soul healthy and whole and well. And if he finds you, he's found a diamond in the rough. It's, it's internal than external. Are your goals temporal? Temporal, I meant I'm practicing this all week. I said it anyway. Temporal or eternal? Temporal or eternal? Paul says this, Philippians 3.10, I want to experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. Second goal, Paul had eternal goals, forever goals. And... Um, So the Bible teaches that Jesus will return one day. It teaches us that he he died on the cross and and he was buried for three days and that he rose from the grave. Um, There there was some sort of power. And and it teaches that that was the power of the Holy Spirit that rose Jesus from the dead. And Paul, and and as believers, so this is how this works. When you you give your heart to Jesus, um, uh, if Jesus does not come back before you die, you're buried. And, and Thessalonians tells us that Christ is going to come down with the, thrumpet, with the trumpet sound of the archangel. So some kind of sound is going to happen. It's going to be ferocious and it's going to be scary. And Christ is going to come down on a cloud. And the first thing that's going to happen is the dead in Christ are going to rise first. So whether the dead in Christ are in the ocean, in the grave, I don't know, but it's gonna, something is going to happen where your soul, because you are a soul with the body. You're not a body with a soul. Your soul is going to come back and, and meet your, your body, and you're going to become what the Bible calls an incorruptible seed. 
you're going to take on a body of incorruption, um, which means that sin can no longer hold you down. No more depression, no more anger, no more addiction, no more uh, lethargic, you know, none of that. You're going to be perfect how Christ was when he rose from the grave. Paul said this, I get all that, and that's cool. That's great. He said, I want to experience the power that raised him from the dead now. Are your goals temporal or eternal? So we're at Disney and my wife says, um, wow, Disney didn't, he didn't live to see Walt Disney World Orlando. I said, well, because he died in 66 and Disney World Orlando opened up in 71, five years later. I said, well, he did see it. That's why we're here. He saw it. That, that, that's why we're here. Disney saw it. He had an eternal perspective, an eternal goal. And I even love it. He says this here, uh, Disneyland will never be completed. It will continue to grow as long as there is imagination left in the world. He, he had a long-term vision. He had a, a legacy approach to life. Are your goals temporal or eternal? Are you living for another weekend? Another vacation? The next relationship? Are you living for legacy? Disney has been dead since 71. I'm sure he couldn't have imagined the stats I just told you. But how he lived and how he approached every interaction, every day. This series is going to be so life-changing for you. How he lived and how he approached every interaction. He had a legacy worldview, a legacy approach. The Bible says that a good man leaves an inheritance for his kids, kids. So even at the age of 15, 16, 12, 13, you can have a legacy viewpoint. Because one day you're going to be 40. At the age of 30, you can have a legacy viewpoint. And when you have an eternal perspective, so this power that Paul was talking about is an eternal power. Because when Jesus rose from the, from the dead, he spent a month and a half on earth teaching his disciples, saying, go plant more churches, create more disciples, baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And then guess what? He said, Whoosh. he went into heaven. He ascended into eternity. So the power that Paul is talking about is not the power just to get back up. This, this room is filled with people who have gotten up from some hard things. Paul is saying, I can get up. But what I want to experience is the power of the resurrection. I want to experience eternal power. And the way that you gain eternal power 
is through adopting and having an eternal perspective on life. An eternal perspective. Let me, let me bring this in. Let me bring this in. Uh, Philippians 3.20 says this. It says, but we, watch this, if you believe in Christ, understand this, you're not a citizen of this world. We are citizens of heaven. Where the, watch this, he's still alive. Do you see that? Where the Lord Jesus lives. And we are eagerly waiting for him to return as our savior. Oh my God. The goal is not a place. The goal is not a neighborhood. The goal is not six months and I'm out. The goal is forevermore. And so are your goals temporal or eternal? The goal is an approach to everything in life. And eternal goals filter your relationships, your work ethic, your study habits, your dieting, how you, how you spend your money, your priorities, eternal goals. Because what you're saying is, is that my goal is to leave heavenly residue on the earth. Per- personally, I, I have eternal goals. So if you know anything about me, if you've ever, you know, if you ever sit down with me one-on-one, you'll understand that I'm big on character. Because I want the Redding, whatever my dad did, granddad, God bless him. From me on, from my family lineage and on, I want our family to be known as people of character. And people of character don't always tell you what you want. They won't always do what you want. But I want us to be people that do what's right at the cost of others' opinions. A legacy of integrity. I was telling my wife the other day, you know, I thank God uh, he sent me, uh, she, he sent me her because, man, she's like the cleanest person I know. And I'm sure a lot of you are amazing, but I only know her. I don't really know you like that. Like, she's the cleanest person I know. And it just feels good to come home to a clean house. That, that, that's, that's a legacy. The Bible says that God is a God of order. So w- whenever you run into a clean person, there's some godliness there. There's something going on there. So I, I want our, our, our house to be a place of refuge. When I'm, when I'm 50, I, I want people to visit the house and for them to step into the house and be like, oh my God, what is, oh, this is just, uh, <laughs> this is so peaceful. And not because the pastor lives there. I don't, you know, I don't wake up and the angels are singing. <laughs> I'll wake up with stinky diapers and, and kids that sometimes you just don't want. Like, go back to your room. But it's legacy living. I want my kids to know that they can do anything in Christ. Uh, Yesterday, we did our our prayer walk, and um, uh, my eight-year-old and our two-year-olds, me and Kyra and our two kids, we seven different locations across Gaithersburg. It was amazing, and I believe God's going to honor it in the years to come um, across the city and in our church. But um, my eight-year-old prayed more than me. 
and, and he, read, he read the scriptures and he read the prayer points and he read the prayer guidelines and he prayed um, three out of the four stops. That's legacy living. I'm not saying he's going to grow up perfect. It's his decision what he wants to do with Jesus when he gets old enough, but we're planting seeds right now. Legacy living. God's house is legacy. You know, thank you, Holy Spirit. God is not coming back for Disney. As much as we've mentioned Disney, when Jesus returns, he's not going to take up Disneyland and California and Disney World and say, come. No, no. When Jesus returns, he's coming back for one thing, his bride. And his bride is his church. And the church is made up and composed of believers, followers, disciples of Jesus. So legacy living is being in church every time the door is open. It's an hour and a half. Legacy living is generational blessing. Some of us have been under so many different generational curses and tendencies and addictions. Jesus says it stops with you. You have to determine to be free. It's an eternal thing. Legacy living is, be it your first marriage, second marriage, third marriage, one of those suckers, you got to get right. And you got to die with that person. God, grace to you. Divorce is, is cool. Well, it ain't cool, but it's cool. Get the second one right. Die with that person. Go, go, go to heaven saying, hey, this is the person I spent the last 20 years of my life with. Legacy living is faithfulness in marriage. Are your goals temporal or eternal? And then this last one here, are they good goals or God goals? Paul says this, Philippians 3, 10, 11, to finish off the reading again. He says, I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death, so that one way or another I will experience the resurrection from the dead. Only God could, only God could bring Jesus back. God goes. <clears throat> Um, before we move to um, Orlando, uh, before we move to Maryland from Orlando, I'm sorry, um, we were in a transition um, at a, an amazing church. Um, and and we, we had an opportunity to, to stay there. Um, they, they, the pastor told me, he said, look, stay around for another year. And we want to raise you up in this culture. Um, and, and, and teach you the ins and outs of what we do here. You already have a team of seven people um, in time. We can, we can see about them. I mean, this, this church is almost 20 years old, uh, thousands of members um, in another city, and they had just started a, a location in Orlando. They wanted to take our team and, and launch a second Orlando location, and the resource was going to be there. And um, he said, you know what? Go back and talk to your team about it. And that challenged me because I'm like, I'll just make the decision. They don't need to know how great this can be. And I'm like, uh, no, we, we, we got something to step out on here. And so, but I was convicted to, to ask them. And I was afraid because I'm like, all right, someone's going to see it. And they're going to be like, yeah, let's, let's do this. Everyone on the team that I spoke with said, Pastor, we're going where God has called you. And so I was convinced at that point that it was Gaithersburg, Maryland. Um, I mean, you're, you're talking about big-time budget, resource, 
training a year. And, and they just literally planted that campus a month ago. And um, there was something in me. Uh, I was working night shift, and uh, Kyra went to the service at this particular church. And the pastor approached her, and, and he said, so did, did Josh ask everyone on the team, like, what's up? And Kyra straight up told him, we're, we're moving to Maryland. That's where God has called us. We're going to step out on nothing. And we didn't hear about it anymore. Um, that was hard. But I defined that as a good goal. That was a good goal. Um, and you, you got to recognize good goals versus God goals. Good goals will always present good opportunities. But good goals are known to alter your obedience. If God has called you to something, that's what you stick with. Um, good goals will always be easier at first. Then you'll pay the price later. Good goals, are you, are you tracking with me today? Good goals will have you compromising your convictions so your, your spirit and your soul and the Holy Spirit is telling you, I don't think you should go in that way. You should go in this way. Man, that's a great opportunity. A good goal will say, go for it. God's goals require absolute trust in the person of Jesus. God's goals are relationship-based. Um. God goals require complete vulnerability, meaning that if you're going to step out on something, only God is going to bring forth the blessing of your obedience. God goals. God goals, got another one, will be harder at first. Track with me. They're going to be harder at first, but they're worth it in the long run. Hebrews 11.6 says this, and it is impossible, it is impossible to please God without faith. Anyone who wants to come to him must believe that God exists and that he rewards those who sincerely seek him. You got to start asking yourself about the goals that you set. Is this a good goal? Is this a good opportunity? Or is it a God opportunity? Um, is, this gonna, is this particular thing I'm pursuing, is it going to take me away from what's important? Or is it going to push me towards the will of God for my life? Is this job, is the opportunity, is this relationship going to take me away from the trajectory that God has me on? And if the answer is yes, that's a good goal. But if it's hard, if it requires complete trust and vulnerability between you and God, if it produces growth in the lives of others as you're being stretched, that's a God goal. My God goal has always been, since that process, highlight church. 
I mean, I'll just tell you, that campus launched and there was 500 people first Sunday. That was a good goal. But God sent us here to start with nothing, with nine people, because you was our goal. Your life, your freedom, community, your joy, your peace, your growth in the word of God was my goal. And it's always a great thing to see God do things from the ground up, like from nothing. The Hebrew word there is bara. That's the Hebrew word, bara. When God creates something out of nothing, it's bara. We wanted the bara. What is your God goal? It's the type of goal. So we want to be people of uh, that set internal goals. We want to be people that set eternal goals, and we want to pursue God goals, and you find out God goals in God's word. Introduction, introductory uh, foundational teaching today. <clears throat> Let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for your word. Uh, thank you, God, for given us wisdom and instruction. Thank you, Lord, for your guidance. Thank you, Lord, that we are more than conquerors because of Christ Jesus, and that we are winners. God, help us to align our priorities with yours. Help us, Lord, to open our hearts. Help us to yearn for the things that you yearn for. Jesus, Enable us to focus on the intangibles and the, the internal, Lord, the, the spiritual things so that out of our lives could overflow blessing and joy and purpose. God, help us to focus on eternal things. This is not our home. We are just passing by. So God, allow us to filter every relationship, every opportunity, through the lenses of eternity, knowing that we're just passing by, God, and we want you to get the glory out of our lives, Jesus. Lord, thank you for God goals, things that only you can do through our lives. Thank you, Lord, that you want to do a new thing. You want to bara. You want to create something out of nothing, and you're calling us to faith and trust in you, even if it means sacrificing, even if it means it's harder. God, we're going to trust you, and we're going to pursue God goals. We're going to pursue gospel goals. We want this city saved, and we want you to use us wherever we are. Lord, we love you. Amen. Hey, if you've never given your heart to Christ, this morning is your time. Go ahead, church. Bow your heads. We're going to count to three, and uh, Jesus loves you, and he died for your sins, and you're already forgiven. He just needs you to trust him, and he wants to fill your heart with his spirit. It's not a weird thing. It's the greatest thing that could ever happen to you. So on the count of three, just raise your hand. We're going to pray with you as a church. One, two, three. Raise that hand high. Raise it high. 
Praise God. Let's lift our heads, church. Let's, let's clap it up. There's a salvation in the room. Beautiful. Hey, let's pray together, church. Repeat after me. Father God, we love you. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sin. Fill me with your spirit. Fill me with power. Fill me with eternal purpose. I love you. Jesus, you are my Lord. You are my Savior. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Love you, church.